expectations. Welcome back to High Expectations. Everybody out there, chill. Okay, get cozy, get in a blanket, get a cup, maybe pause this, get a cup of tea because it's going to be a bit for long because we're talking about gaslighting today. What is gaslighting? So off the top of my head, gaslighting is when somebody manipulates you into thinking that your reality or your sense of reality isn't real and that you are mentally unwell and that you're unreliable. Is that a good definition? Wow, that's pretty intense. But yeah. Yeah? Okay. Let's get into it. I think what's really interesting, first off, is where the term gaslighting comes from. Because it's not about lighting a fire on fire. Good to know. But it can feel like it when everything goes wrong. Yeah. So, it comes from a 1938 play, Gaslight, about a... Is it Felonis, man? Felony. A Felonis. Man seeks to convince his wife that her mind is unraveling. When she notices that he's dimmed the gas lights in the house, he tells her that she is imagining things as they are as bright as they were before. The British play became a 1944 American film starring Ingrid Bergman as the hero. Oh, I love Ingrid Bergman. We should watch it. Wow. What a dick. What a dick. Yeah, that's definitely a, a very pointed example of it. Trying to convince somebody that what they know to be real isn't real. And it's a really horrible thing. And when I was reading about it and listening to things, I realized that gaslighting is is so many... That's an extreme example. So that's when you're really trying to convince somebody that they're mentally unwell or not in touch with reality. But it can be so much more subtle than that. And I think it happens every day. What do you think, Jaslyn? I think that is true. (laughs) I think there are subtle ways that your self-esteem and perception of the world can be undermined and it's so subtle that you don't really realise it's happening until much later on when you suddenly think how disconnected you are. In the podcast I was listening to on the Vagina Chronicles they said that gaslighting can be intentional or unintentional from what I've analysed and from all of the things I've been taking in, it sounds like gaslighting for whatever reason it might be malicious or it might be through insecurity the purposes of gaslighting is to gain control over somebody else by convincing them that they're vulnerable or that they're out of touch with reality and you're the guiding light for them. So, like, no, right. like, that's not how it happened. Or you could get, you know, there might be more than one reason. You could get the advantage or the upper hand. And some common phrases that I think are used. Like, you always do this. You always do this, yeah, exactly. I'm often, actually not so much these days, actually, but I used to be told after I met someone that I was really rude. And they're like, you were really rude to them. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, I wasn't. Yeah. Yes, you were. They don't want to see you again if you were so rude. And then you start asking other people, was I yeah, rude? Was rude? It really starts rude. to make you doubt yourself. And that's when you know you're being yeah. gaslit as it is. So then you start meeting new people and you don't want to come across as rude. So you can't say anything at all. And then that and makes you like, come across as rude. You're rude or you're really quiet. It's a catch-22. And you start to become really insecure about meeting people because every time you meet someone, you get told afterwards that you left a really bad impression and you get made to feel really bad about that. Yeah, that's a good example. In the Guardian article that's written by Ariel... Is he think it's Ariel Levy? Lev? <laughs> so she wrote an article for the Guardian about gaslighting and when to spot it. And she in response to a memoir she wrote about her and her mother, which I've read called An Abbreviated Life. And in that article, she um, refers to an example. 
And a lot of people in the comments thought this was quite controversial. So like, they considered it controversial. And some people were like, yes, that's gaslighting. No, that's not. That's something hmm. I'd like to explore. Like, let's talk out when it is or isn't gaslighting. So okay. in the article, the example she gave of gaslighting, which some people said undermined the whole article because it wasn't gaslighting, was that two friends had a relationship where one of them would always be late. And the other one found that quite disrespectful. She would bring it up with him and say, hey, you you know, this was the time we were meant to meet. You're half an hour late and you're consistently half an hour late. He would, in the article they argued, gaslight her by saying, oh, you know, I'm not really that late or like you're being too sensitive or, you know, you, you really pay attention to time. It doesn't really matter how late I am. And then it got to the point where the other friend thought, oh, maybe I am being too sensitive. Maybe the fault is mine. And I think a major symptom of gaslighting is to take the blame onto yourself. And I think vulnerable people are particularly susceptible to it. Do you think that's gaslighting? I think it is because part of it is also blaming them, the victim, for the reality that's occurring. So in that case, it's not so much that this guy's always late, but she's always perceiving him as being late and causing trouble. Yes. And... Yeah, like it doesn't and have so to she's be a like, big deal. Wait a minute, I'm the victim here. How come I'm telling the baddie? Yeah, the table turning thing is yeah. a very commonly used abusive tactic. Yeah. And you think, am I the bad person? Did I cause all this? Oh, I always get that. Yeah. I'm always like, it's my fault. It's my fault the friendship ended. Or like, it's my fault yeah. the relationship went bad. Can I ask no. you about something in my personal life that happened, which affected yep. both of us? Yep. I want to know if I was guest was this person was attempting to gaslight me. Okay. So what happened that I found really really unsettling was I had broken up with my boyfriend and I'd moved home and then I was thinking maybe I shouldn't really live back at home. A mutual friend of both Jaslyn and I, mine, was looking for a flatmate to help him find a flat. And I put my hand up immediately and was like, yeah, this is a sign. I definitely have to live with you because this. I was thinking about it. It happened. I'm going to jump at the opportunity. Yeah. I helped him find flats when no one else did. And I helped, you know, I helped him through the process of, you know, signing the lease and all that sort of thing. But they were hurrying it along because they were in a situation where they had to get out of a flat and move into one, one really quickly, which I appreciated. Mm. But to convince me to sign the lease or agree to take this flat so that they could secure a flatmate and get a full bedroom place, he told me that I would have a particular bedroom. He said, this can be your bedroom. And I was like, I like that bedroom. It's away from the road. It's away from the traffic noise. There's more sun. It's larger. My mum did point out later that it was right next to the lounge where people would be really loud. So that wasn't the best (laughs) position for me to be in. But Mm. I was convinced I was going to get that room. And when things really started to turn sour with that person was when we were about to move in. He messaged me and he said, actually, because we were living with two of his childhood friends, she's, my childhood friend has come in and she wants that room, so now you move. And I said, no, 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 no. I agreed to move out and like leave my comfort zone because you promised me a particular room and now you've pulled the rug out from under me and I don't know what to expect and or what you know, what I'm getting into. And he was like, I never promised you a room. That never happened. That's not true. And basically you have to like it or lump it. You have to have that front room or nothing. And I was like, but I don't want the front room. And he said, oh, and actually that figure that I quoted you for the rent is actually this, which was a lot more expensive. So I said, no, that's not what you promised me. You promised me this much. I never told you how much the rent was going to be. There was never going to be a set Mm. price for the rent. 
the thing that really blew it up, which I think is so stupid, mm. was that I said, hey, so we haven't got a fridge. Did you check out this fridge I saw advertised? No, no, I don't want that. That was a pile of crap. Oh, okay. Well, then how are we going to go about getting one? Why do you... And then he blew up at me. Why do you have to worry about the fridge so much? What is all of this? You know what? You're really overbearing and you're going to be a really hard person to live with, Ellen. And I said, no, I, I was just trying to figure this all out. And something that I missed out of the story was that I spoke to the woman who he said could take my room and we came to an agreement that I would have the room, which was a very civil and calm conversation right. in which she thought, oh, okay. It was one of those things where she, we, we were both like, oh, this is one of those awkward situations where we can't agree and we both want mm. this thing, but we're both being kind to each other and no point did it get nasty. And then there was an awkward silence and she just said, oh, it doesn't mean that much, but you can have the room. That was how the conversation went in my head, but he convinced me that the conversation actually went really negatively and I was incredibly aggressive and she was passive to my aggression and I forcefully made her give me the room, which never occurred. He wasn't even there for the conversation, but that's how he said it went down what, and what she said to him happened. That is full on gaslighting. That is definitely gaslighting. <laughs> now that I lay it out like that, I'm like, I was trying to gaslight me and I had the right instinct to get out of that. It's definitely gaslighting. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, I'm not sure. That I found that deeply upsetting and I remember at the time feeling really unsettled. That was something I read as well. Like, do you get this feeling of being unsettled and that there's something wrong with your relationship with the person but you can't quite put your finger on why? Yeah. Maybe you're being gaslighted. Because when I walked away from that situation, I was like, this makes me feel really anxious and really bad about myself and horrible. But he told me that everything was my fault and everything was not the way I said it was. And it was yeah. my perception of events, not his. That is what gaslighting does to you when you walk away from it. Yeah, that was an intense situation. I mean... That was really intense. And that <laughs> wasn't recoverable from. No. Because it wasn't just like a disagreement of rooms that... It suddenly became quite an attack on your character. Yeah. And that's where you can really draw a line. That's where I've had friends that maybe unintentionally gaslighting me. Yeah. But when they actually attack my character. Like that thing about your road. You were really rude. Yeah. Because what you've told me in the past, I hope you don't mind me saying, is that you'd meet someone and then your friend might convince you that actually that person didn't like you. They would say that because you were rude. They would keep saying they didn't like you as well, yeah. which is something that's a big insecurity for you or for anyone. People want to be liked. Yeah. And there's one, there was one instance where I was really told off about being rude. And I know that Alan was with me the whole time. I know you have a slight <laughs> bias. Yeah. But but if I, I feel like there was an actual not, problem. I feel like I could no. be honest with you. Yeah. You weren't and, rude. You yeah. were put upon. The situation was that she brought somebody to into your space to meet you when you weren't feeling up to it. And then yeah. because of that, you were quite resistant to it and you were a bit closed off, which is understandable. Yeah. But she perceived that as rude and said that, you know, you were being completely unreasonable, which is not how the events panned out at all. No. I like to think I'm pretty welcoming of strangers, but sometimes they, they come when I'm not at all ready for them. Yeah. I don't like the idea of making someone unwelcome in a space that they're pretty anxious about coming to her to begin with. Mm. I read recently that there are two different types of people. I don't think there are ever two different types of people. The binary doesn't exist, people. But, so there are people that are what you call peaches. So they're incredibly warm, they're incredibly friendly, they let you in immediately. But then if it actually come, gets down to it or it gets real, they have a hardcore. So you can never get into that hardcore. It's like impossible. 
but coconuts are the opposite. So they're very, like, mm, I don't want to say cold, but a bit more closed off, a bit more reserved. They don't give everything up front. But then when you get through that coconut, like the shell, you get all that delicious, like, coconutty goodness inside. They're actually really worthwhile people to be around. Right. And that's the difference, I think. I don't think you're cold, but I think mm. you're probably more of a coconut, and I think I am too. When I first yeah. meet people, I don't give everything up front. Like, I can be friendly, and I can be kind, and I can be charming, but you don't get to know me until yeah. you, you've spent a lot of time around me, until I can trust you. And, and that's normal. It's normal to be a bit closed off when you first meet yeah, people. But that person lacked boundaries, so they couldn't understand that. Yeah. <laughs> and, they would give yeah. everything up front, and more so. <laughs> Because if you know someone really well, and you go really well with lots of banter, or you're friendly and welcoming, so you think, hey, other friend, I want you to meet this person, they're so lovely and, and great, but that person's got no context for this new person. Yeah, and, and so they might not, not like even that. get on with them. But later on, they might be. Yeah. And so then you think, why were you, you, you your friendly, buffy self? Because I felt shy. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> most people would recognise that that's the difference. That's the thing, hey, like, in that situation where I was gaslit, that was completely unfair, and for a long time afterwards... I had a lot of internalized guilt because I felt like what I did was wrong. I'm very susceptible mm. to being gaslighted because I have low self-esteem and it's something I'm recognizing myself and working on. And I tend to blame myself rather than others when things go wrong. So in that situation, it was completely unfair. It's reasonable to say, hey, you promised me this room and you promised me this rent and yeah. I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm worried about moving into a place where there's no fringe. Like those are, yeah. those are all legitimate concerns. But he treated me like I was being completely unreasonable. Which I wasn't. Anyway. Gaslighting sucks. Now that I know what this is, and you can like identify <laughs> and put it on people, it gives yeah. you so much liberation and freedom because you can think, actually, I'm not to blame in this situation. That was all about them. But it's like, it's hard to explain how nasty the feeling of being gaslit is and looking back and realizing why you felt so anxious. Because what you, your like commonly hold beliefs like are being questioned. It can make you feel so much better in hindsight. It really can hit your self-esteem. Yeah. You think, I'm a bad person. Yeah. But they're like, the bad I person. I don't realize I was so rude. Like, that situation's really crap. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, it's really hard to define. But then when I talked it out with you, I was like, oh, I know what gaslighting is. And I know I have yeah. been gaslit. That's just one example of many, many times I've been gaslit by people. And they're often quite damaged people in themselves who I think mm. feel they need to regain control of their own reputation or their own self-image. I think that's what's really important to some people who are quite emotionally abusive. Yeah. Manipulating other people. And because those people point out, like, hey, you're a human, you're shitty. Because everyone is shitty. Let's just be real. <laughs> yeah. But the difference is, are you willing to admit when you have flaws or not? And I think people who turn to gaslighting or turn to abuse aren't willing to admit that they have flaws and are not willing to work through it. And they're fighting you for that. You can't get the confirmation with them like, you're gaslighting me, you need to stop it. Because they never because know, yeah. the gaslighting then continues mm. by then them saying, no, no. You're, you're going crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm not gaslighting you. You're <laughs> yeah. making this all up. You're making this into this big world and you're like, oh. It's like a total catch-22, isn't it? Am I making this all up? Am yeah. I being gaslighted? Maybe I'm, cycle maybe, continues. maybe I'm making a big fuss and I won't say anything. But there was a, a point in that article about less aggressive gaslighting where if you really, really love someone and want to be with someone and you're afraid to not be around them anymore, if they're putting their reality on your reality because you want to keep them in your life, you'll think, okay, maybe their reality is the real one. 
and I should go along with it because that way they won't leave me. Mm. And that snowballs. Yeah, once you let somebody have that power and control over you and they're the sort of person to take advantage of that, yeah. they will. So Ariel, who wrote that article, so I got her biography, which is about her childhood with her mother. And her mother was quite a high-profile poet. Andy Warhol made a film about her. Wow. She was a big, big deal in her time, but she was an incredibly inappropriate <laughs> and difficult woman to live with. And it was just the two of them because her father had to leave. I just thought this was one of the most shocking parts of the book. And I think it's an interesting example of gaslighting if I talk about it in context. Okay. So, so this, the, the context around this is that she just met her um, mother's new boyfriend who she would have for many years. And they would get in a lot of fights if he refused to stay over. He would tell her in advance that he didn't want to stay over, but then she would simply forget. And she had huge abandonment issues. So they'd have mm. big fights. And sometimes those, if he didn't want to stay with her, and those fights may become violent. And it honestly got to the point where, even though she had a young child, if he resisted staying at her apartment, she would go and insist on staying at his. And he would just have to give in because she was so forceful and insistent about it. Which is really real boundary-crossing stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of this gaslighting stuff often comes hand-in-hand hand with people who don't set up the right boundaries and are inappropriate. So this is this is really intense. Trigger warning, um, it involves physical abuse. Okay. Later that evening when they return from the apartment, the argument begins. Donald, that's her mother, and her mother's called Susie, that's her mother's partner tells her he doesn't want to sleep over. This is something that he'd let her know ahead of time, but she ignored. She talks to him, he talks him into coming upstairs to discuss it further. And at, the, and at the point he decides he's had enough and he gets up to go home. From my bedroom, I overhear the raised voices. I'm leaving, he states. No, you're not. She rushes, she rushes him like a wildebeest to block this from happening. She shoves, he shoves her aside but it doesn't deter her. They are both drunk, unaware of the volume or velocity of their savage aggression. Donald is unable to defuse the explosion. He is willful. Move out of the way, woman, he commands, sharply dismissive. This makes it worse. No, I hear the stomp of her foot. You promised. He didn't promise. I'm leaving, he says. Too bad. So, and then it says, this is how Bedlam began. Nothing will contain it. Their breathing is too loud and the recklessness is too frenzied. They are determined, uninhibited and out of control. I squeeze the pillow over my head, shut my eyes so tight, but they ache. I can hear the shoving, the sliding, slipping around as they wrestle and the struggles to regain their balance and composure and pry himself away from her clutches. Ow! You're pulling my hair out! She wails. You're killing me! You're killing me! I'm bleeding! Ow! Ariel, call the police! I jump out of bed and fling open my door. I see his hair in her hand. Clumps of his white hair would be on the floor. His face is scratched, blood drawn by her long red fingernails. I stand frozen in my nightgown. Please, mommy, let him go. Let, let him go home, I plead. Let him go home. I am afraid for his safety, not hers. She barricades the front door, not allowing him to leave. Her bathrobe is open and untied, and Donald is fully dressed, with his jacket on. He is trying to move out of her way, but to no avail. You are not leaving me. My mother is unaware of my presence as I stand by, watching her try to push him back. 
into her bedroom. Mommy, stop, I shout. Let go of me, she spits this at Donald, who is trying to protect himself. Stop, I shout. I'm a phantom presence, standing there sobbing, as though I'm not making a sound. The fighting is feral. She bites his hand as he tries to silence her. He tries to peel her off him. Call the police, she screams again. He's trying to kill me. Stop, I shout hysterical. Please stop. So that's a really good example of gaslighting in real time. She was abusing him, but she was trying to make it out in front of her daughter that the opposite was happening. Yeah. When she can see that what she's doing. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Yeah, and she's really a little kid, like seven. Yeah. And her mother will say things like cock and cocksucker and fuck. And um, she went teaching at her school and she would say to her mother, can you please not use the word cocksucker or fuck? And her mother would say, I never use those words. Those are vulgar words. So yeah. constantly, constantly trying to gaslight her daughter. Mm. Okay, I'll give you an example of being gaslit. Okay. I once uh, had a girlfriend and she asked me, what are you doing for your birthday? And I said, oh, I don't know. I probably won't do anything. And she said, oh, you totally have a party. Have a party. I was like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll have a party. And... Oh my God, what's going to happen? <laughs> she knew all about this party. I planned it. I invited people. Some friends were coming. As far as I knew, she was coming. And then the day before the party, I'm like, because I have a party tomorrow. Like, yay. And she said, yeah, I won't be there though. I was like, what do you mean? Oh, I have a dinner party planned. And I'm like, what? Like, you told me to have this party. And she said, yeah, but I, I never said that I was going to come. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm having it because if you wanted me to have a party, yeah. I've implied that you're coming. And she said, no, I never said anything like that. You're just making that up. That's horrible. And I've had this dinner party planned for a long time, so I can't cancel it. Why would you do that? Why? Now, I don't think the dinner party ever happened. I think she just didn't want to come to this party forever and one of the reasons was oh then people might think that you're my girlfriend or whatever Aww. I'm like but we are and Aww. then she was like you're being so intense about this like what is the big deal and um then we broke up fair enough that's horrible happy birthday Jason oh that's so awful then so I have this party and people are like where is she where is she I'm like, oh, she had plans. Can't say phase. I think the whole thing was just like trying to fuck with me. Why would she want to fuck with you? And eventually we got back together because you know I'm a dumbass who got back with her. <laughs> you were young. I was young, and you know. But... I think I think that's what's really scary about abuse. When you're young, you're so much more susceptible yeah. to it, and you're so much more forgiving of it. And yeah. when you get older, you were like, no. Because that's when you really have to feel like. What if no one wants, wants me again? So I've definitely had I've that. i to get back with them. I get that anxiety so yeah. much. What if I never find anyone? Okay, look, you should rather die alone than be in a relationship with somebody like that. Yeah. And in hindsight, you think, well, she was really, like, put me down a lot and, like, mm. made me feel like I was way too, like, serious or, like, concerned with stuff that didn't really matter and making big deals out of things. Like, one time, she invited me out to her house for the first time and I was like, cool, cool. What time should I come? And she's like, oh, you know, it's whenever. That's, that's fine. So then I asked her, okay, where do you live? How do I get there? And this is before Google Maps on your phone. So like I, and even, even then I don't know her address. And she gave me this random information about something else. And I thought, it's like a website link. And I 
thought, oh, I can't see how to get to your place on that link. And she's, oh, this is something else. So I was like, oh, well, what's the address? And she's like, why are you so concerned about all this? Like, chill out. What? She's not going to be so concerned about call. I'm like, you invited me over. I just want to know where to go. <laughs> and suddenly I'm like being told that I'm this like really obsessive person. And... What the hell? Right. That's definitely gaslighting. That's really weird. Yeah. It seems like she was deliberately trying to mess with you. Yeah, like I'm just, like something's trying to stalk her or whatever. I'm, like desperately trying to go around, but she's the one who told me to come over. So that was weird. That was really weird. That's a that's a bad bad person. Bad bad behavior. Yeah. Okay. The last thing they wanted to say is that when I was reading all of this gaslighting stuff, I thought there's a really interesting point here that I think that coming out often follows with a lot of gaslighting. Yeah. Um, and Jasmine and I were talking about it earlier and she was like, yeah, you should bring that up because I think that when you come out of the closet, for example, when I came out as bisexual and still to this day, I feel like I get gaslit, maybe unintentionally for being bisexual because a lot of people think, oh, you can't be into more than one gender. You're probably this sexuality. You're probably that sexuality. You're probably lying. One really nasty time when I was just coming out of the closet was when I had just gotten into a relationship with Kathy, our lovely co-host. Yeah. And Kathy is a very, very intense, excitable person, which is something I love about her. I love her passion. But she wanted to talk to other people about me, as you do. Mm. And she chose a mutual circle friend. That person was like, oh, this is weird you're into Ellen, but you're a woman and she's a woman, which I'm sorry, isn't a big deal. I don't care what background you're from. It's 2016. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be shocked by two women falling in love with each other. No. But she was. I invited her to my honours finishing party, which you'll remember. And I was sitting next to her on the couch and then she struck up the conversation of, oh, hey, Kathy, eh? And I was like, yeah, I'm nervous and quite excited about it. And she was like, well, I mean, you should be careful, you know. And I thought, but why? And then she went on to explain, well, Kathy's one of my favorite people, which is weird in retrospect because they'd hardly talked. <laughs> and she said, yeah, she's one of my favorite people, you know, and she really wears her heart on her sleeve and she really, you know, when she gets involved in something, she really gets involved and... You should really know what you're doing, because if you don't really know that you're into women, you're really going to hurt her feelings. And I was like, um, I've been in relationships with women before. I know my sexuality. <laughs> and she was like, well, if, you know, if it's not, if it's just something you're kind of playing around with, she basically implied that I was a yeah. straight or a curious girl who was leading Kathy on. For what I think is zero gain. And this is something that I've come up against on, you know, many times. Mm. When I come out to people, I mean, initially people are going to be shocked. And sometimes they're going to say things like, that can't be real. Or like, oh. Yeah. And that's understandable. But when people say to me, and this happens quite often, are you sure you're not a lesbian? Um, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Because my fear in myself for a long time, the reason why I didn't come out of the closet was because I thought I was a straight girl who was just a little bit bi-curious. And I didn't think there was a place for me in the queer community. I yeah. really did And And this is something that is, go is still a problem, a major problem, by visibility. 
Yeah. We just don't feel... A lot of bisexuals that come out of the closet because we don't feel like our sexuality is valid or real. But I think this is true for so many different types of queer people with diverse genders and sexualities. Right. You can't possibly be non-binary. You can't possibly be another gender from the one that you were assigned at birth. Yeah. Because I haven't seen signs of it. I, you know, I... I just don't see you that way, basically. Like, are you sure you're not a lesbian thing? Really bothers me. It's like, you know, like, maybe you're going through a transition into being a lesbian. It's like, no, I'm almost 26 Mm. years old. I came out of the closet as a bisexual. Like, I get that other people's sexuality is fluid. That's a thing. Sexuality is fluid. Yeah. That's okay. But let me come to you with that. As far as I'm concerned, my journey started with me coming out as bisexual, and my journey will end there. I will forever be into more than one gender. To those people, fuck you. Yeah, go fuck yourselves. Go fuck yourselves. Don't try to tell me what my sexuality is. Don't try to gaslight me. I don't I don't care if that was because you just, you know, felt like it was an innocent question. You are trying to convince me I'm not the sexuality I identify with. I don't care what's going on in your brain because it's biphobic. Cut it out. Well seen. <laughs> and I just wanted to say that for all other queer people out there, if people other people try to tell you your gender identity or your sexual identity, fuck them. Only you know your sexual identity. You're the expert yeah. on you. Don't let other people define your reality. Because that shit's damaging. Yeah. Your reality is your reality. Yeah, that's, that's what you can take away from this. Trust yourself. Your reality is your reality. Like, if you feel like you're in one of these situations, what could help is to note everything down. That's something that Ariel recommends. To really yeah. examine things and be like, this happened at this time. Because whoever that person is, they're going to try to convince you that none of that is true. Get other people that you trust to be your witnesses. Just before we wrap it up, we just had a few things that people will do when they get like, do we have time for this? Yeah, go for it. Okay. There might be something good in this and something bad in the other mm. stuff, you never know. How do I get rid of this? Cheers! What are you doing? Technological issues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, discrediting you by making other people think you're crazy, irrational, or unstable. Ooh! So it can involve other people as well. Using a mask of confidence, assertiveness, and or fake compassion to make you believe that you have it all wrong. So that was something you were talking about earlier, eh? I think we've touched on that. Changing the subject. Which is why that story you were telling me about, like, oh, talking about something completely different and not giving you her address. Yeah. That's weird. So you're imagining things. That never happened. Minimizing by trivializing how you feel and think. Other thing I really want to touch on is why are you being so sensitive is one of the mm. number one ways people gaslight. And it's it's not something I've realized before now that your feelings are valid. And if you're telling them to somebody and they're saying, oh, why are you being so sensitive? You're probably not. Like, you know, we all have to accommodate each other in this world. We all have to adapt. But I just think you're too sensitive is never useful, really. I mean, every so often, yeah, people yeah. can be temperamental, they can be emotional, but everybody has allowed their emotional moments. Yeah. Listen to people. James, please. And if someone's reacted in a way that you think is too sensitive, maybe instead of asking, tell them off being sensitive, maybe look at yourself. I mean, what did I say that was interpreted that way? <laughs> it's like, maybe I was being too harsh. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe apologize and like rephrase or... Yeah. Explain what you actually mean. And I think um, sometimes there are those circumstances when you know that people are taking everything you say the wrong way. So I was talking it out with Kathy and I thought, you know, I've I've even been susceptible to the you're being too sensitive thing. But it's really more like, oh, you're obviously in an insecure and emotional state of mind. 
I feel you're taking what I'm saying the wrong way. This is what I mean. Yeah. I don't I don't mean to hurt you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Change the way you phrase things and it's so much more helpful because you're being too sensitive to validate somebody's feelings. Yeah. So that old phrase, oh yeah, here comes the waterworks. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, Toughen up. You don't yeah. know. <laughs> Um, so twisting and reframing. When a gaslighter uh, confidentially and subtly twists and reframes what you said or have done in their favour, um, can cause you to second guess yourself, especially when paired with fake compassion to make you feel as if you are unstable or irrational and so forth. The exam- For example, I didn't say that, I said this. I didn't beat you up, Johnny. I just gave you a smack around the head. That's all what all good fathers do. If you remember correctly, I was actually trying to help you. I mean, all of those examples are from Lona Wolf, so they have an article on gaslighting and how you can identify it. So that's what oh. people do when they're gaslighting you. Good to know. And I'm sure anyone listening can think back sometimes and probably acknowledge that, that yeah, that was totally gaslighting. Yeah. It's really helpful. Because you're like, this conversation we've had has felt really, really therapeutic. Yeah. Like, I felt like I've gotten out of like, I, I was gaslighted. It wasn't yeah. my fault. It it's really helps. Yeah. You can, like, talk. Actually, if I could assign homework for everyone, or not, just, like, a fun thing you want to do, like, maybe think of a time you, if anything's come up in your head, like, maybe I was gaslit then. Maybe that was gaslighting. Maybe, mm. because you second guess yourself a lot. Maybe go to a friend and tell them the situation and ask them, hey, do you think this was gaslighting or what do you think the situation was? And when you talk it out, it will reveal itself to you a lot more. I found that really useful today. One more thing. I don't know we have to go, but um, if we were stripping, I think I'd be naked. We did a good job today. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. If you have any comments or questions, please send an email to highexpectationspodcast at gmail.com or leave us a comment on a post. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at High Expectations Podcast or on Twitter at High EX Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Have a great week. And this is our show about gaslighting gaslighting you mean lighting fire (laughs) hey linda hey louise what's wrong well i love podcasts but i need a new one do you know if there are anywhere two sweetie sisters talk about movies from the 80s and 90s that shape their childhood existence and also that have a cat that makes a ruckus in the background do i let me tell you a podcast i started listening to called large marge senna's Two sisters break down classic 80s and 90s movies like The Princess Bride, Never Ending Story, and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. They even did a whole month dedicated to Fred Savage flicks. Wow, I love Fred Savage. Where can I get this magical podcast? You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or Google Play. You can also follow them on Twitter, at The Sweetie Club. And don't forget to tell them, Large Marge sent you to this podcast.